Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, in through LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey, audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have uh, Bruce Mack from San Francisco to talk about trust, right? Um, and I'm always have this question about, you know, because some of my investors invest using a trust, some of them, like, you know, they start as an individual and so halfway through, halfway through, they said, oh, I want to set up a trust. And, and sometimes I don't understand why. And, and and what are the benefits of a trust and all that? So we're gonna have Bruce Mack, who's an expert in uh, trust. His company name is Platinum Trust Group, uh, and you know uh, Bruce is a, a very well-known uh, sought-out speaker. And I want to really get into the details of trust, right? So, hey, Bruce, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much, James. It's a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely, absolutely. You are going to teach me a lot of things and, of course, my audience and listeners as well, right? Because well, I'm going to do my darn best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of times I ask these questions and not many people can answer me in a very clear manner. So, so I really hope that you can deep dive into it. And I know we're going to do a, a detailed webinar, which is more deeper uh, into the details in a couple of weeks, right? So, but Bruce, uh, why don't you tell about yourself and where you're from and about your company and what you guys do? Absolutely. Well, uh, as you can see, I, I am from uh, San Francisco. I'm a fifth generation San Franciscan, uh, born and raised there, went to uh, high school and, and junior high, elementary school. My father's uh, uh, been a, a successful dentist, so I come from uh, a, a long line of, of San Franciscans. Uh, currently, I'm up in Park City, Utah with my family. We're really outdoorsy people. We love to ski, hike, and do anything and everything that you can outdoors. And we just find that this is the perfect climate and, and, and place to be able to do that. Uh, I'm a licensed financial advisor, and I've been a very active real estate investor. Matter of fact, in one three-year period of time, I bought, rehabbed, and flipped over 160 pro uh, properties. Uh, I've been involved in over $92 million worth of real estate transactions. And it's through my uh, business of being in the business as a real estate investor uh, that, and, and as well as being a, a financial advisor, that the trust paradigm uh, came to be 
in the forefront of what I have been involved with. And, and I got to tell you, it has been for me and for my clients, a complete game changer. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about it briefly when we met a few weeks back. And, and I do believe there's a lot of powerful things behind setting up a trust and investing through a trust. So let's go deep into it. So can sure. you define what is a trust? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a trust is a contract between the grantor, the trustee, and the beneficiaries in its most simplest form. And I always like to say it's either your rule book or the government's going to take control. Uh, there are many people and many people that are listening to this podcast that have a very basic rudimentary trust. There are hundreds of different types of trusts, including things like a gun trust, believe it or not. Uh, many different types of trusts. Uh, the trust that most people have and that are most people are familiar with is a living trust or a living will. And it's a very basic trust. And the trust was uh, created for two reasons. One, uh, to be able to avoid probate, does a good job at that. So you're not gonna get stuck with probate, which is a horrible thing. Uh, and, it, and it's costly as well as time consumptive. Uh, and it also names who the beneficiaries are. But by design, because that is a grantor revocable trust, it cannot have uh, any asset protection which is so important for, for investors. And it certainly does not have any tax advantages or tax mitigation components that are baked into the, uh, uh, into the trust corpus, if you will. Uh, and that's really where there is a major differentiation in the types of trusts and, that are available uh, to us as real estate investors or us as W-2 employees. Got it. Got it. So let me let me clarify. So mm -hmm. there's three types of you know high level people, right? One is you know just a normal person who uses money to invest, right? Or who you know work as a W two employee, just get money and he uses his money everywhere. Yep. Uh, second type of thing which you mentioned is setting up a trust as a, a way to safeguard your family's asset when some when the main breadwinner breadwinner pass away, I guess, right? So that we don't go through the process of probate, I guess, right? And you go through a process of trust, which is, you know, it's another shortcut, I guess, to get to the, I mean, the, how the, the people who were left behind, how can they access the assets of the, whoever passed away, right? Without going through the probate process. But you also say there's another mechanism where you can use the trust for real estate investor, which can be very powerful in terms of uh, tax strategies. Right. Uh, I mean, what other thing than tax strategies? If I, I may have missed that. Well, that is a deep dive session into itself. Okay. But let me say this: uh, our the the type the trust that we have developed over the past years, uh, and we have tens of thousands of of clients. They are provided not only with this probate avoidance tool, as well as naming who the beneficiaries are, which is your basic rudimentary living type tr uh, living trust component. But on top of that, they're also provided with a bulletproof asset protection that is far, far superior to a C and S or the common type of entity, which is an LLC, which most real estate investors 
uh, use uh, as, as their asset protection. Uh, I can briefly tell you that uh, LLCs can be pierced and we see that they can be pierced when they alter ego, uh, uh, if you will, is, is used as the reason to pierce the uh, corporate veil, uh, insufficient corporate separateness. It can be used successfully because what are real estate investors? They are, by very definition, solopreneurs or partnerpreneurs. And, when, and because of the type of structure, not having 5,500 people, they're easy to pierce the corporate veil. Once you pierce the corporate veil, you can get in and take all the contents, even if you have a holding company, which many uh, people have been instructed to use. So one of the things that can be achieved with the right type of trust is bulletproof asset protection so you can sleep well at night with the assurance that even if the trust is sued, it, the, it's going to bounce off the trust uh, and it cannot have a lien, a levy, or a judgment be executed against it. This is huge. So that's one very different dynamic component that the right type of trust, the type of trust that we have uh, offers. And the other, which you were just speaking about, James, is the tax advantages. Uh, first of all, when you're in real estate as an investor, you have two types of income. You either have passive income from rent and lease income and or you have capital gains. Well, briefly, uh, without taking a deep dive, passive income with our proprietary trust is treated in a completely different fashion than a 1031 or even an IRA where you're getting a deferral component, which is for tens uh, of years or, or, de or decades or years, uh, as the case may be, short amount of time. But with our trust, rent and lease income is deferred in perpetuity. And again, we can go into more depth on that later, but that one component is absolutely monumental to be able to have the deferral component on the rent and lease income defer past your lifetime and your beneficiaries and their beneficiaries' lifetime. The other piece is that all capital gains, whether it's short-term or long-term capital gains, are excluded pursuant to uh, various IRC codes, which again, we can take a deeper dive into at some future point, uh, which is monumental when you're talking about capital gains, because even if it's long-term capital gains and it's before Biden's uh, initiatives that are on the table for uh, possibly 36, 39% capital gains to be increased to, we know today the federal uh, requirement is a minimum of 20% if that's long-term capital gains. And that's a huge chunk out of every paycheck that can be totally avoided with the right type of trust in place. So are you saying, apart from the asset asset protection, right, which, which I know some things about, right, because you, uh, are you saying that you can avoid capital gain tax? Pursuant to IRC code 643A3, capital gains are excluded from sale when the money goes into the corpus of the trust. It's just that simple. Um, that's, a monumental uh, win 
for real estate investors. Uh, and we have so many clients that are real estate investors that have been utilizing our trust for years and or decades. So why, I mean, that means everybody should be investing with the trust then. Well, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah. it, it becomes really a no brainer uh, for a real estate investor. The trust is not for everybody. Uh, we, we can uh, not achieve any tax mitigation for W-2 employees. Now, if somebody is a W-2 employee by day and a real estate investor on the weekend or by night, the real estate investor portion, we certainly can get those tax advantages, but on that W-2 income, uh, there's nothing that we can do to mitigate or offset. So okay. it takes the right type of person in the right vertical to get the tax advantaged uh, benefits of our proprietary and copyrighted trust. So let me understand. So you're saying someone with a W-2 income. Yes. Right. He has a W-2 active income and he has yes. like maybe like, you know, another some money for which comes at passively or actively on a real estate. So the real estate or passive or active income can be rolled into a, uh, using a trust and avoid the any capital gain tax, but his active income on W-2, you can't do anything about it, which is okay. I think that's a big thing. That is, that is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, but mm. you know what, well, let me just take a, a expand upon that just for a moment. Mm. Not only does this uh, uh, tax advantages, if you will, uh, work for real estate investment, real estate, uh, real estate transactions on rental income, as well as capital gains treatment upon sale, but it also works on active business owner income. So uh, owners who maybe own a pizza parlor, maybe own a car wash, uh, we also have significant tax advantages. They work a little bit differently, but nonetheless, there are some dramatic tax advantages for business owners. There's also tax advantages for people who are other types of investors, such as people who invest in Bitcoin and uh, or other types of crypto, uh, people who are, uh, uh, that have stock uh, portfolios, or maybe they're in the Forex market or in metals or what it, whatever it is that they're investing in, uh, investment income and profits are capital gains. And therefore you get the same treatment with capital gains, regardless of the vertical that the capital gains uh, comes from. Got it, got it, got it. So let me understand very clearly, because I think this, a lot of people are going to be out you know, shock with what you're saying right now, because avoiding capital gain tax is a huge thing in, in everybody's mind, all investors, right? So, but this is a trust that you, your company have come up with, I guess, right? It's not like every trust is able to do that, I guess. I've never seen another trust that is. Uh, okay. and, and rather than work using the word avoid, just to be clear, they are excluded because the trust will own the asset at the time of sale. We can talk about that again in the future, but when the trust owns an asset, i.e. a house, whatever, a stock portfolio, whatever, they make a sale and the monies is a return to corpus. It's a return to corpus, meaning that you get your check into your trust bank account. Then that money cannot be taxed uh, because it's excluded from tax unless it's distributed. Now, without getting into a bunch of detail, 
let's just say this, that you can use those funds for anything and everything that you want in your personal and business life. And it becomes a viable trust expense, not a distribution. There's only three things that make for distributions. And that's, we call them the three Fs, personal food, fund, and fashion. But other exempt of those three items, they are going to be viable trust expenses, including education for the, you know, for the kids, including medical, including house payments and uh, mortgage payments and new acquisitions that you want to make and cars and you name it. It really becomes limitless. So uh, the opportunity is huge for investors uh, with our proprietary copyrighted trust. So what is the three F that you mentioned that we can't use this trust for, which is going to be non-viable uh, It would trust just become a taxable distribution uh, for either personal food fund or fashion. However, food, food, uh, and again, uh, we, can okay. touch on, we can touch on this in the future. Got There's it. A, the, through, through what's called the demand note, which is created at the inception of the trust, which is an IOU in exchange for the assets that you're selling to the trust, that IOU is a opportunity for the person who has the trust to be using 100% of that IOU for anything, including personal food, fun, or fashion. So when you convey and sell your assets to the trust, your personal home, your cars, uh, your uh, uh, rental income properties, you're gonna be taking back a nice sizable IOU or uh, again, what's called a demand note and you use those monies and therefore you should never have a need to invade what we call corpus. So therefore there shouldn't be a need for taxable distributions. Again, more on this at some future time. I'm sure. just trying to give you kind of a glossy 2000 foot overview. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely go through that in the webinar. So um, what is the exit plan for the trust? The exit plan for the trust is to keep the trust firmly in place because by design, it is there, the trust is a dynasty trust. It has many other components, but dynasty trusts are made for the idea in mind for multi-generational wealth transference. So uh, the notion is that when you pass or your the client passes, uh, that they will have a successor trustee or successor trustees, likely they'll be the kids. And when they pass, They'll do the same thing. So this is a trust that quite literally gets handed down through the generations until such time as the trust distributes, at which point in time, the tax that's been deferred would become due. Quickly, let's talk about the distribution provision. That is 21 years after the death of the last sole surviving heir to the last sole surviving beneficiary. Now, when you put on your thinking cap and kind of go through that, you're gonna quickly come to the realization, well, that means that everybody that's either directly or indirectly uh, related to my family and or the trust, they've all died and passed on and this could be hundreds of years from now. And, they, and you're absolutely 100% correct. This was done by design so nobody would, uh, uh, incur the tax liability, yet the IRS uh, will get their money 
uh, down the road sometime once there is no more family tree and the trust ceases to be in that 21 year period that has passed. So let's say uh, if I pass down to my hair, right? And then uh, let's say they, they violated the three, three F, right? So then the tax become due, is that right? No, 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 no. Uh, or, or I should say partially yes, but no. Um, the only thing that comes due if you're taking a distribution out of corpus for either personal food fund or fashion or all three would be the tax that would go on to your personal income tax for the amount that you took. So let's just say you took 10 or $20,000 a year uh, uh, or 50 or 60. Well, you're going to get taxed on that. But isn't it better to be taxed on 10 or 20 or 50 or 60 rather than 250 or 260? And the answer is it's, a, it's an obvious yes, because not only is the tax going to be a smaller amount because it's a lesser amount, but likely you're going to be ratcheting down several tax brackets, which is also going to help to minimize uh, the tax uh, that is due from that small distribution made. And let's not forget the fact that each uh, family, a family of two, a husband and wife has a, a 24 thousand, I believe it is this year, $24,400 automatic exemption. So uh, even if there were, were distributions, uh, likely there would be little tax, if any tax. But again, there's the demand note to focus on. So there's really no reason to invade corpus. But I don't want you to think, uh, James, and sort of how I got it back from you is, if you take any distributions for food, fun or fashion, then the entire amount of taxes uh, that uh, uh, became excluded from the capital gains would automatically become due, which could be maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars from one uh, transaction alone. That is absolutely not the case. Okay, yeah, that was that was what I was thinking. So it looks like it's not, yeah. I guess. Only I, I, I was thinking that that might be what you were thinking. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I nailed that. Well, part. I mean, in general, usually IRS, when they give a special provision, they said, oh, you can never break this. If you break this, then you have to pay the whole thing due, right? Like. Like yeah, yeah, like yeah. IRA money, right? Water yeah. a waterfall effect. Uh, yeah, waterfall not a good way. Correct, yeah. correct, correct, correct. So, what about revocable trust and irrevocable trust? What is the difference between that two and the trust that you are talking about? Which one that falls into? Well, that could be uh, a, a, a one to two hour discussion, but let me just okay. kind of paraphrase. Yeah. Trust generally fall into two different categories aptly, as you just mentioned, revocable or irrevocable. Uh, when we talk about the living trust, which is the trust that most people have, if they have one, uh, that is a revocable, uh, 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 self-settled trust. Uh, and our trust is an irrevocable trust. Now, people get the wrong idea uh, that irrevocable means not modifiable. That couldn't be further from the truth. The only two things that anybody would ever want to modify, they can modify with our trust. Change of beneficiaries, a change of uh, a trustee or trustees, all up to the person who owns the trust can be done with the stroke of a pen. Uh, and it's just that simple. Matter of fact, I always like to use the very quick example that if somebody woke up one day and had some epiphany that the trust wasn't for them, uh, they could re- uh, uh, undo the trust in, in as much as 
they could purchase back everything that they sold on paper to the trust. It's a paperwork transaction. And then they're in a reset mode. The only thing that, that is irrevocable is the trust embodiment itself. It would live on, but would be rendered useless because there's nothing that's inside the trust. Now I can tell you, I've never heard of such a thing happening, but I like to use that example to talk about what is the irrevocable part of the trust. Got it, got it, got it. And Good. This is I mean, necessary, by the way, that the irrevocable provision for the asset protection as as well as tax mitigation, it plays it. into uh, one of the key components. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure I remind all the audience and listeners, make sure you like or subscribe uh, to this podcast or video, whatever you see it, right? Just keeps us uh, going, right? So Bruce, I think there was so much information, but I know we're going to go deep down into the details during our webinar. And all the listeners out there, you know, if you're on my email list, you know, you will get an invitation to join the webinar. If you're not, uh, you know, come to achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Um, you know, there's an invest with us link or, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, just general uh, email list subscription. Just subscribe to one of my email lists and you will be invited. But I, I really want to go deep into it because this is a very powerful tool from what I see. I never heard about, you know, avoiding, not say avoiding. Um, what is the word you use? Uh, excluding. Excluding capital gain tax. If it's capital gains, it would be excluded okay. uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from a taxation. Uh, because it goes into the corpus of the trust, be, it's reclassified as an extraordinary or ordinary dividend, and then it becomes deferred in perpetuity, or it would be deferred at whatever level it can be deferred, depending upon whether it's rent and lease income. And these are just the kinds of things that I've got an in-depth slide presentation, and I'm looking uh, to take a much deeper dive into this so that everyone that's on uh, this call will have an opportunity to get a really good visual uh, as well as auditory uh, and much more in-depth informational piece when we do that uh, upcoming webinar in the next couple of weeks. That should be a ton of fun and a great educational experience for your listeners. Got it. And one more question. Uh, do we need a specialized CPA to, you know, to handle this trust? No. Uh, the, the short answer is no, we can uh, uh, train your CPA or your tax person. And one of the things we also do is we have uh, tax people that are on our team. That, uh, and one of the things that our clients get is they get, uh, uh, should they decide to move forward, they get their first year return filed as a part of the uh, trust process, which they are more than welcome to bring in their current uh, tax professionals so that they understand what's going on and then they can take over from there if they want to use them year two, so on and so forth. So it's a collaborative, uh, a collaborative effort uh, with us and whoever uh, they, they are currently working with and or maybe they prefer to uh, start a new relationship on a continual basis with us. That's optional and completely up to them. Awesome, awesome. Awesome, Bruce. Uh, thanks for coming onto the show. Uh, do you want to tell our audience how to get hold of you and your website and your contact information? Sure. Uh, two points of contact. First of all, uh, feel free to jump on our uh, website. Uh, I'll even give you um, I'll give you a personal booking link uh, if you wish, which would be uh, platinumtrustgroup.com. 
that's our main root site and or uh, you can also jump on platinumtrustgroup.com forward slash Bruce, which is a calendaring system. Uh, so you can get a, a consult with me. Uh, and the other thing uh, that you can do is feel free uh, if you can't connect with me uh, either on the site or by uh, booking an appointment for a complimentary uh, confidential consultation. Uh, you can uh, take down my direct number, which is 702 area code 371 2345. Again, that's 702 371 2345. So there's multiple points of contact, and I look forward to hearing from you to answer your questions. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bruce, for coming onto the show. And uh, just another reminder again make sure you subscribe or like our podcast or YouTube channel so that you know we can keep on doing what we're doing right now and adding value to all of you. I need all the support there, right? So thank you so much, Bruce. And uh, that's it. Talk to you soon. Thank you, James. It's been, it's been a pleasure. And I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you.